Welcome to episode number 25 of Calm History. This is another Quiz Quest episode featuring 30 new trivia questions about history. I'm Harris, and I created this time machine of tranquility to bring you the drama and excitement of history, but in a calm tone so you can just chill and relax. Now, here is how tonight's Quiz Quest episode works. I've created 30 new trivia questions from my archive episodes and my bonus episodes about the Great Pyramid of Egypt, the Titanic, the Pilgrims, Henry Ford, the Ancient Greek Olympics, Joan of Arc, rubber plantations, oil rigs, and a prison escape. If you have listened to these episodes, then consider this a quiz challenge to test your memory. If you have not listened to these episodes, then just consider this a trivia challenge to test your knowledge. All of the episodes in today's Quiz Quest are in the archive podcast and the bonus podcast. To access them, just become a Silk Plus member, which is free for a limited time, by using the link in the episode notes or by going to silkpodcasts.com. Okay, time to begin today's quiz quest. Feel free to listen to this episode several times until you can get every question correct and earn the esteemed title of Victor of the Quest. I hope this episode distracts and relaxes your overactive brain squirrels. The first questions are from archive episode number 16, The Great Pyramid of Egypt. Here they are. The Great Pyramid of Egypt, also known as the Great Pyramid of Giza, was built for which pharaoh? The Great Pyramid of Egypt, also known as the Great Pyramid of Giza, was built for which pharaoh? Here are some options. Was it Pharaoh Khufu? Was it Pharaoh Cheops? Or was it Pharaoh Krishna? The answer is, the Great Pyramid of Egypt was built for Pharaoh Khufu. But, as you may know, Pharaoh Khufu also went by the same name, Pharaoh Cheops. But he didn't go by Pharaoh Krishna. So the correct answer was either Khufu or Cheops. Next question. How many stone blocks were used to create the Great Pyramid? How many stone blocks were used to create the Great Pyramid? Was it 
2.3 million, 230,000? Or was it just one large block that was carefully etched on the sides to look like many blocks? If you're not sure of the correct answer, but you are sure that that last option was absolutely ridiculous, then give yourself a point. The correct answer was that the Great Pyramid was built out of 2.3 million stone blocks. Next question. How heavy was the heaviest block in the Great Pyramid? How heavy was the heaviest block in the Great Pyramid? Was it 800 tons, 80 tons, or 8 tons? The answer is, the heaviest block was 80 tons. Next question. How many years did it take to complete the pyramid? How many years did it take to complete the pyramid? Did it take 200 years, 20 years, or just two weeks with a lot of coffee, meth, and cocaine? The answer is, it took about 20 years to complete the pyramid. Next question. How do tourists enter the inside of the Great Pyramid today? How do tourists enter the inside of the Great Pyramid today? Do they enter through its original entrance? Do they enter through a hole made by an earthquake? Or do they enter through a hole made by robbers? The answer is, tourists enter the Great Pyramid today through a hole made by robbers. The next questions are from archive episode number 17, Titanic Survival Story, part 4. True or false? According to an actual survivor of the Titanic, the ship's band continued to play as the ship was sinking. True or false? According to an actual survivor of the Titanic, the ship's band continued to play as the ship was sinking. Shockingly, this statement is true. The band continued to play even as the water flooded the deck that they were on. Next question. How many other people 
were in the same lifeboat with the survivor from this story. How many other people were in the same lifeboat with the survivor from this story? Were there 600 other people, 60 other people, or just six other people? The answer is, there were about 60 other people in the same lifeboat with the survivor. And this was not true for all other lifeboats. This was one of the more packed lifeboats. And you may recall from the episode that there were some lifeboats with a lot less passengers on them. Next question. As they were floating in the ice-cold ocean, one of the survivors in the lifeboat made this statement about the weather and the ocean conditions. It reminds me of a... what? As they were floating in the ice-cold ocean, one of the survivors in the lifeboat made this statement about the weather and the ocean conditions. He said, It reminds me of a... what? What did the conditions remind him of? Did they remind him of a... frozen hell? An icy typhoon? Or a blooming picnic? The quote from the survivor in the lifeboat about the weather and ocean conditions was, It reminds me of a blooming picnic. And this was not sarcasm. The weather and the ocean were so calm that many survivors did recall that it was so smooth out there. It was almost like you were enjoying a picnic in a boat on a lake. The next questions are from archive episode number 18. The Pilgrims and Plymouth Colony. In 1605, the founders of Plymouth Colony left England. What was this group of people called at this time? In 1605, the founders of Plymouth Colony left England. What was this group of people called at this time? Were they called pilgrims? Were they called separatists? Or were they called go-getters? The answer is, they were called separatists. It wouldn't be until about 200 years later that they would commonly be called pilgrims. Next question. When the separatists first left England in 1605, where did they go? When the separatists first left England in 1605, 
where did they go? Did they go to the Netherlands? Did they go to America? Or did they go to Fiji? The answer is, when they first left England, they went to the Netherlands. My vote would have been for Fiji. But, yeah, I didn't have much of a say in it back then in 1605. Next question. When the separatists left the Netherlands in 1620, where did they go from there? When the separatists left the Netherlands in 1620, where did they go from there? Did they finally depart to America? Or did they go to France? Or did they just head back to England? The answer is, when the separatists left the Netherlands in 1620, they went back to England, but not because they were giving up. It was just to get supplies for the trip to America. Next question. When the separatists finally left England and headed to America, what was the name of the ship they all were traveling in? When the separatists finally left England and headed to America, what was the name of the ship they all were traveling in? Was it the Mayflower, the Speedwell, or the Titanic? The answer is the Mayflower and the Speedwell. They actually left for America on two ships, but we only know about the Mayflower today because the Speedwell sprung a leak and had to return back to England, and so it didn't end up traveling all the way to America. Next question. During their ocean voyage to America, a child was born on the Mayflower. What was the child named? During their ocean voyage to America, a child was born on the Mayflower. What was the child named? Was it Oceanus? Was it Voyages? Or was it Bodie McBoat Baby? The answer is, the name of the child that was born during their ocean voyage was called Oceanus. The next questions are from archive episode number 19, The Story of Henry Ford, part 4. What did Henry Ford use as tires on the first car he built in his shed? What did Henry Ford use as tires on the first car he built in his shed? 
did he use? Car tires? Bicycle tires? Or wagon wheels? The answer is, Henry Ford used bicycle tires on the first car he built in his shed. Next question. Henry and his wife had a heated discussion about Henry spending too much time building a car in the shed. What did Henry do right after apologizing to his wife for spending too much time in the shed? Henry and his wife had a heated discussion about Henry spending too much time building a car in the shed. What did Henry do right after apologizing to his wife for spending too much time in the shed? Did he surprise her with flowers that he had purchased earlier that day? Did he cook her dinner as repentance? Or did he go back into the shed and kept working on his car like a dum-dum? The answer is, right after apologizing to his wife for spending too much time in the shed, he went back into the shed and kept working on his car like a dum-dum. Next question. Where was the first place Henry Ford drove his first car? Where was the first place Henry Ford drove his first car? Did he drive it down his street? Did he drive it on a local racetrack? Or did he drive it all over his front lawn like a maniac? The answer is, the first place Henry Ford drove his first car was all over his front lawn like a maniac. The next questions are from archive episode number 20, the Ancient Greek Olympics. The Olympics first began in 776 BC, in what year were women first allowed to participate in the Olympics? The Olympics first began in 776 BC. In what year were women first allowed to participate in the Olympics? Was it that same year, in 776 B.C.? Was it much later, in 700 A.D.? Or was it much, much later, in 1900 A.D.? The answer is, women were first allowed to participate in the Olympics in 1900 A.D. Next question. Ancient Greek runners 
lined up behind a row of stone blocks at the start of a race. What term do we use today related to this fact? Ancient Greek runners lined up behind a row of stone blocks at the start of a race. What term do we use today related to this fact? Is it starting block? Is it block party? Or is it block and rocket? If you've never heard of the term block and rocket, then that's okay. I made that one up. The answer is starting block. Next question. What did the winner of the first long-distance race of the Olympics do differently than all the other runners? What did the winner of the first long-distance race of the Olympics do differently than all the other runners? And it most likely helped him win. Did he run in rubber-soled sandals? Did he have someone run behind him and whip him while he ran? Or did he throw off his toga and run the whole race naked? The answer is, the winner of the first long-distance race of the Olympics threw off his toga and ran the whole race naked. His win even inspired every future long-distance runner in the ancient Olympics to run naked also. Next question. What was different about the long jump in the ancient Olympics compared to the long jump today? What was different about the long jump in the ancient Olympics compared to the long jump today? Did they hold rocks in their hands when they jumped? Did they run up a ramp and launch themselves into a sand pit? Or did they jump over a pig right when they jumped into the sand pit? The answer is, long jumpers in the ancient Olympics ran down that short track holding rocks in their hands and then when they jumped they would thrust their hands forward that were holding the rocks to hopefully propel them a little bit further into the sand pit. Next question. What did a referee immediately do if a boxer in the ancient Olympics violated a rule during a boxing match? What did a referee immediately do if a boxer in the ancient Olympics violated a rule during a boxing match? Did he bang a three-foot gong? Did he 
blow loudly into a shell? Or did he hit the boxer with a stick? The answer is, if a boxer in the ancient Olympics violated a rule, the referee hit him with a stick. The final questions are all from prior bonus episodes. In bonus episode number five, titled Joan of Arc at the Battle of New Orleans, what message did the commander of the opposing army send to Joan at the start of the battle? In bonus episode number five, titled Joan of Arc at the Battle of New Orleans, what message did the commander of the opposing army send to Joan at the start of the battle? Was it, good luck, we respect you? Was it, good luck, but you'll never win? Or was it, go home and tend your cows? The answer is, the message sent by the opposing commander to Joan at the start of battle was, go home and tend your cows. So rude. Next question. In bonus episode number nine, titled Titanic 360, part three, 50 bellboys were relieved from duty and told they were free to save themselves when it was clear the ship was sinking. What did most of the bellboys go do? When 50 bellboys were relieved from duty and told they were free to save themselves when it was clear the Titanic was sinking, what did most of the bellboys go do? Did they jump into lifeboats? Did they go smoke cigarettes? Or did they go play poker and get drunk? The answer is, most of the bellboys took off and smoked cigarettes. Next question. In bonus episode number 10, titled The Great Prison Tunnel Escape Part 2. What item served as their secret entrance into the cellar of the prison? In bonus episode number 10, titled The Great Prison Tunnel Escape Part 2. What item served as their secret entrance into the cellar of the prison? Was it a fireplace? Was it a bathtub? Or was it a toilet? The answer is, the item that served as their secret entrance into the cellar of the prison was a fireplace. Yeah, I agree. A toilet would have been more interesting. 
but it was a fireplace. Next question. In bonus episode number 11, titled The Case of the Stolen Nitroglycerin, a man accidentally blew himself up with nitroglycerin because he mistook it for what substance? In bonus episode number 11, titled The Case of the Stolen Nitroglycerin, a man accidentally blew himself up with nitroglycerin because he mistook it for what substance? Was it axle grease? Bacon grease? Or hair gel? The answer is, a man accidentally blew himself up with nitroglycerin because he mistook it for axle grease. He found it in the woods, and he put some of it on the axle of a car in his garage, and then he turned on his car. Next question. In bonus episode number 12, titled, A Visit to Cairo and the Great Pyramid, what item did the owner of a shop try to sell the two tourists? In bonus episode number 12, titled, A Visit to Cairo and the Great Pyramid, what item did the owner of a shop try to sell the two tourists? Was it the Great Pyramid? Was it a mummy? Or was it a three-legged camel? The answer is, the owner of the shop tried to sell the tourists a mummy. Next question. In bonus episode number 13, titled Titanic 360, part 4, two male gamblers talk their way into a lifeboat. How did they behave in the lifeboat? In bonus episode number 13, titled Titanic 360, part 4, Two male gamblers talked their way into a lifeboat. How did they behave in the lifeboat? Were they calm, helpful, and uplifting? Or were they mean, cruel, and selfish? Or did they keep telling others in the lifeboat that they were women? The answer is, the two male gamblers in the lifeboat were actually calm, helpful, and uplifting to all the other passengers in the lifeboat. Next question. In bonus episode number 14, titled, The Weapons and Armor of the Pilgrims, why didn't the pilgrims keep their armor clean and shiny? In bonus episode number 14, titled 
the weapons and armor of the pilgrims. Why didn't the pilgrims keep their armor clean and shiny? Was it because it would make it too easy for enemies to see them? Or was it because it would scare away the animals they were trying to hunt? Or was it because they just didn't want to waste the time and effort doing it? The answer is, the pilgrims didn't keep their armor clean and shiny for all of these reasons, which actually makes a lot of sense. If you're a suit of armor in a museum, sure, make it clean and shiny. But when you're using your armor, there's not a lot of advantages to keeping it clean and shiny. Next question. In bonus episode number 15, titled, Visit to a Rubber Plantation, why do the workers only tap the rubber trees every other day? In bonus episode number 15, titled, Visit to a Rubber Plantation, why do the workers only tap the rubber trees every other day? Is it to not kill the tree? Is it to not upset the tree spirit they believe lives inside each tree? Or is it because they always go to town the next day to gamble the money they earned from tapping the tree the day before? The answer is, the workers only tap the rubber trees every other day so they don't kill it. And now, for your final question. In bonus episode number 16, titled, The Great Prison Tunnel Escape, Part 3, how does the leader of the escape plan announce to the others that the tunnel is complete? In bonus episode number 16, titled, The Great Prison Tunnel Escape, Part 3, how does the leader of the escape plan announce to the others that the tunnel is complete? Does he say, Boys, the tunnel is finished? Or does he say, Dig, dug, done? Or does he say, Pop some corks, the tunnel is dunnel? The answer is, when the tunnel was complete, the leader said, Boys, the tunnel is finished. Yeah, because throughout history, anyone who's ever completed digging a tunnel has been wise enough never to say anything as ridiculous as, The tunnel is dunnel. Oof, that's painful. This is the end of today's quiz quest.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Calm History. If you'd like to become a Silk Plus member and get free access for a limited time to all the episodes mentioned in today's Quiz Quest, all the prior Quiz Quests, and 500 other episodes, then just use the link in the episode notes or go to silkpodcasts.com. Thank you for listening to my podcast.